to be able to come into your homes with you there and to be with you. So excited with what the Lord is doing. I know there are a lot of challenges and a lot of questions and emotions surrounding this season and the circumstances we are in, but there's one truth that never changes. And that is that Jesus Christ is Lord. And He's our risen Lord and Savior. And today we get to celebrate and worship Him together. If you're joining us for the first time, we're so glad that you have tuned in to be with us today. We pray God's special blessing over you. We have a service plan that will encourage you and inspire you. And we're believing God that it will touch your heart and bring you into a deeper and a closer relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father. You know, that's that's what Jesus came to do is to reconcile us back to the Father. And so today you have a good Father who loves you. He's going to be with you. He's going to get you through this situation. And He's going to carry you through every storm and trial that you face in life. So today we just want to pray. We're going to worship God. And then we're going to dive into this service. Again, we're so thankful that you would be with us today. Come on, think about this. This is what an amazing day. Do you know today for the first time in over 750 years, they said, that even in Jerusalem, Jerusalem, uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre shut down. The streets of Jerusalem, the city of God, are, are, are vacant and, and things that are happening that haven't happened. This is such a prophetic hour that we are in. And I believe God is working through this in such a way to bring revival and to get the word out in a way that is so dynamic that is even beyond what we thought he would do. So this morning, again, we're glad that you're with us. I'm going to pray. Bill and Lori are going to lead us, and we're going to have a great service together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time together. Lord, I pray your blessing. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would invade every house, every home, every life that is viewing today. Father, if they're on their phones, if they're on an iPad, Pat, if they're on their television, their computer, whatever, God, use this medium. Let your anointing and your presence flow through this media avenue, Father, to touch heart, to touch life. Lord, I pray that every wall of resistance, Father, everything that has been in opposition to the truth would be torn down right now in Jesus' name, that hearts and lives would be changed and transformed by your amazing grace and your saving power. In Jesus' name, we invite you to worship the Lord with us on this Resurrection Sunday. God bless you. To reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost. To redeem the whole creation, you did not despise the cross. For even in your suffering, you saw to the other side. Knowing this was for salvation, Jesus for sake you died. I praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. 
morning that you rose All of heaven held its breath Till the storm was moved for good For the Lamb who conquered death And the dead rose from their tombs And the angels stood in awe When the souls would walk out To the Father are restored And the charge of Christ was born When the Spirit let the flame Now this gospel truth of old Shall not kneel, shall not faint By His blood and in His name In His freedom I am free For the love of Jesus Christ Who has resurrected me say he is risen and you're gonna shout out he is risen indeed on the count of three one two three he is risen I I think I heard that through the airwaves that was cool awesome isn't is a great day to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ you know just yesterday as we look at the days of the week in the in the, the Passion Week of Jesus, uh, just yesterday, a Saturday for Jesus and for his followers was quite a different situation. It was a very somber day. The tomb is sealed and it is guarded and the followers of Jesus are scattered and the religious and political leaders, they think they're rid of this troublemaker rabbi named Jesus. But think about this, even in his death, even when he gave up his spirit upon that cross, even in his death, Jesus was busy defeating death. It's, he was defeating death, hell, and the grave. Matthew tells us about, about earthquakes, about tombs busting open, and holy people uh, wandering around and, and appearing to people. He, he tells us about the curtain of the temple being ripped in two. Death could not keep him in the grave. And uh, we serve a living God. And this is what Paul, uh, Paul says about that in Ephesians 4, 8. He says that when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. It says the, he ascended but, that all, but he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. 
Jesus was bit, was at work. Even in his death, Jesus was at work releasing the captives, setting people free. And yet, as we look to the Saturday, there's this holy hush, there's this somberness about it. And yet we wait. Sunday was coming. And that is what we're celebrating today, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in that resurrection. We're going to pray together. First, I'm going to read from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Wow, isn't that awesome? Father God, we thank you today that you have raised Jesus from the dead. Death could not keep its hold on him. Lord, you willingly, you said, no one takes my life. I willingly lay it down. And so, Lord, we're thankful that you willingly gave up your life so that we could have life, so that we could have hope beyond the grave. Lord, we, we see so much hopelessness around us. Lord, we see so much hopelessness, and it comes out in the form of panic and, and a confusion, Lord, and in so many ways. And Lord, we want to be beacons of hope in this world today, Lord God. Lord, thank you for your people, those that are listening in today. I pray your blessing upon them. I pray your spirit would just move in their lives today. I pray that you would bring healing to those who are needing a touch from you in their physical bodies. Lord, I praise you for working miracles in people's finances. Lord, that you would provide work, that you would provide uh, means to to be to gainfully employed, Lord, that you would provide financial miracles in their lives, Lord. I pray for ongoing uh, restoration in marriages and homes and relationships. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives today. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen just want to say thank you again for joining us today and thank you for your your uh, again your generosity it's it's impacting not only here at home but all over the world and um, ministry continues as God's people give faithfully and generously and just a couple highlights of that we were able to send a, a generous offering to India to Sharwan and uh, uh, his ministry and it's feeding children over there in India and so ministry is continuing across the globe ministry is happening right here at home we were able to have an awesome day yesterday as a team of volunteers from Solid Rock was just loving and blessing people with a Easter uh, blessing bag giveaway drive through it was awesome and even with social distancing god's love cannot be hindered amen from being uh, communicated and shared so we're grateful for your generosity and your faithfulness in giving and there's lots of ways you can give one is through our website solidrockfaithcenter.com go on there and you can there's a link to give you so you can give online there's an app that you can download uh and and give that way and uh, you can mail a check in. 
Uh, you can call ahead and bring a check in. There's, there's a lots of ways for you to stay uh, faithful in your giving. So we appreciate all you're doing to keep the ministry moving forward uh, as we partner together. So let's just continue to open our ears and open our hearts to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us and among us today. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tim. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Well, what a great day today. And uh, again, we're so glad you're joining us. And uh, we look forward to all the great things that God is doing. Yes, we blessed hundreds of kids yesterday and families touched and changed. And so we're so thankful for that. And this morning, I just want to take you on a little journey, if I could. We want to look at four different lives that were impacted during the last days of Jesus' life here on earth and the significance um, that his life had upon their life. And so the title of our message this morning and our, that we want to bring to you is called Easter Upside Down. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to turn our world upside down so that our lives could be turned right side up. And so this morning, as we walk through this, I pray that God will reveal and show something to you and help to deepen and strengthen your relationship with him. And so it's awesome to see what he did through his life, his death and his resurrection. And like I said, I'm praying that we all would have an encounter with the Lord today, myself included. I love it when God works in my life and after all these years of serving Him, that He still is drawing each one of us closer and deeper in our relationship with Him. You see, this is the day, Resurrection Sunday, is a day above all others in which we declare that Jesus is worthy of our praise. You know, we're singing some songs here this morning, we're worshiping the Lord, and we do that because He's worthy of our praise. Praise declares how good God is to us. It's the expression of our love and our adoration for Him. And so, one true encounter with Jesus will turn your life and your world and your worship upside down. When we truly encounter Him, it, it, it changes and transforms how we view our praise. When you go through and read the Gospels, you find that Jesus was anointed three times during His ministry by three different women. And these three anointings give us some amazing insights that we can dive into deeper at another time. But this morning, I just want to briefly look at these three anointings by three different women in three different houses on three different settings and really what they speak to and declare to us today. In the first account, it's found in Luke chapter 7, and we won't read the, all the scriptures of these for time's sake, but in Luke chapter 7, you can read it, verses 36 through 50, Jesus has been invited to Simon the Pharisee's house for a dinner, and uh, something amazing had. He's there as a guest, and a woman, the Bible says a woman of the city, an unnamed, unanimous, uh, anonymous woman, comes in and begins to minister to him by anointing him, his feet, and washing his feet with her tears and with the oil, and then drying them with her hair. And what's amazing in this is that this 
anointing is connected to her personal worship. It is her personally worshiping God because of her experience of salvation. The forgiveness she's received has brought her to the feet of Jesus. How can she say thank you? How can she express her gratitude? How can she express what she express what she's received other than to be at his feet and to pour out the most extravagant worship that she could upon him? You see, Simon the host had not given him the customary greeting of water for his feet, anointing of oil for his head, and a welcome kiss of greeting. That was customary. When a guest came to your house, you you would wash their feet, you would anoint them with oil and and a perfuming oil, a fragrant oil, and then you, you would greet them with a hug and a kiss of love and greeting and acceptance into your home. But this woman gave her all for him, and she gave the most priceless gift that she could give. You see, the second time that Jesus is anointed comes in later. This first one took place during the beginning of his ministry. The second time, the Bible tells us in John chapter 12 that it is six days before the Passover. Coming up to the Passover, his crucifixion, and that six days before... Jesus is with Mary, the sister of Lazarus, in, the, in Lazarus's house in Bethany. And again, it's a dinner setting, and it is connected to her in personal act of worship for the declaration of her love for him. Here is the Lord that she loved. Here is the Lord that has raised her brother back from the dead. And so she's expressing her love, her adoration, and her praise to him by breaking this alabaster box of oil and pouring it upon his feet. It says in John chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says this, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Do you know that your worship has a fragrance to it? And when you worship God, that fragrance will feel that the the presence of that worship will bring a fragrance and an anointing into the place where you are. You see, when our lives are truly impacted by the depth of his love for us, it transforms our worship into something that others will call costly wasteful, extravagant, and it can even be despised and spoken again. We know that some of the disciples said, why is this waste being displayed upon him? We could have sold that and used that for better things in the ministry than just worshiping him. Nothing is higher than Jesus in our life. Nothing deserves more praise, adoration, and acknowledgement in our life than our Lord and Savior. The third time Jesus was anointed was two days before the Passover. Four days later, it happens again, and Jesus is in another house. He's back in Bethany, but he's at Simon the leper's house. Simon, who had been healed of leprosy, and now Jesus is there at his house having dinner with him. And again, it says that another anonymous woman comes in and in her devotion of worship for her Savior anoints him. And in his own words, Jesus said, this is for my burial. 
Always think about that. How is my worship connecting to his purpose and what he's doing in the earth? Am I sensitive? Am I being led by the Holy Spirit into my response to him? You see, these three acts of extravagant worship at three different times by three different women expressing the value of their love for Jesus, their Lord, the perfume, fragrant oil they all used was some of the most expensive of their day. The most costly. And it cost nearly, when they said the declaration uh, of the amount that it cost, 300 denarii would be almost a full year's wages. It was never to be wasted, but used only for the most special occasion. So on Resurrection Sunday, here we are. Maybe you would ask yourself the question, maybe we could all ask ourselves, how valuable is Christ to me? How valuable is Jesus to you? How extravagant is my worship? How do I express my love and adoration to Him? Would anyone ever call it extravagant? You see, a true encounter with Christ will turn our worship upside down. Go ahead, guys. He came with specific instructions. Use it wisely. My grandmother said, it is only for the most special occasion. It had been a gift from her mother who told her the same thing. Only for the most special occasion. I held it for years, not knowing what could be special enough for this. Until It was six days before Passover. He was reclined, his feet towards me. Around him, his followers. I too was a follower, at first at a distance. But he invited us. The women, women, really everyone, to come near to hear his stories of God's curious kingdom. That night, I gathered my perfume from its safe hiding place. The room crowded with men. No one noticed me. Without hesitation, I broke open the lid of the bottle. The perfume drenched his feet. With a slight smile, he looked at me. And then, I did something I had not planned. I covered, I covered his feet with my hair, washing them with my tears. I had no choice. He was Messiah, worthy of anointing. This, this was the celebration that everyone hoped for, of who we hoped for. I kept the bottle and the memory. The perfume was not wasted. He, he was the most special occasion. 
you're the one who knows my need before I call you tell the storm when it will cease before it starts the God above who searches deep within my heart the highest praise cannot proclaim how great you are there is none like you none like you the faithful There is none like you, none like you, the faithful one, Jesus. No sacrifice can now repeat the debt I owe. Jesus, 
There is none like you None like you The faithful one Jesus mm. Hallelujah Yes There is none like Jesus and he's worthy of us opening the treasures of our life and pouring them out in worship and adoration to him. You know, there's something else that happened after Mary's anointing of him in John chapter 12. You end up in John chapter 13 in the Passover and Jesus in the upper room with his disciples. And you see, every year at this time, we celebrate Passover and our deliverance. And look forward to the coming deliverance and the culmination of all things with the return of our King. For the Jewish people, it's a time of looking back and remembrance. And a time of looking forward with expectation to the coming Messiah. They look back and remember being brought out of Egypt. But they're still looking for the coming Messiah. But the question comes, when He comes, will He be the person we expect Him to be? Will He do the things the Messiah should? Will he bring deliverance? Oh, yes. Will he save, heal, and deliver? And the answer is yes. But more than that, he will turn our perspective on life upside down. For in every act of the life of Jesus, he placed us in front of himself. He completely gave of himself for us. He even washed the feet of the one who would betray him. And deliver him into the hands of those who would crucify him. In John chapter 13 it says this. Now before the feast of the Passover. When Jesus knew that the hour had come. And he should be, depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. Wow. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, listen to this, rose up from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Would he give his life for that, for us? Yes, and so much more. I want you to think about that and listen carefully to what I'm about to say to you. You see, he took the descending steps from the head of the table to greatness as he redefined what God is really like before our very eyes. He washed the dirty, stinky, crusty feet of his own disciples just as a common servant would, you, would do. The creator of all things, the one, Paul says, who holds everything together, has moved from the head seat at the table, descended down to the lowest place in the room, and is now at the feet of his disciples stripped himself, wrapped himself in a towel, and is humbly washing their feet. God at your feet, cleansing you. Wow. He took the lowest place in the room. He demonstrated what it looks like to love at the humblest level imaginable. 
You see, this was a precursor to the cross. For here he disrobed to wash the filth from their feet. On the cross, the Son of God would lay aside the robes of His glory to die in our place, shedding His blood to cleanse us from the effects of the curse that's found in our hearts and in our lives and that has caked us in sinful disobedience and separated us from a holy God. Through His willful surrender, Jesus was stripped and in His nakedness and shame, we are cleansed and covered with the blood of His righteousness. He turned the tables of our world upside down. He turned the tables on the devil. He conquered death, hell, and the grave for us. He turned the tables on sin so that our lives could be turned right side up. Watch this name. Who do you think prepared the Last Supper? Look, bread, it's easy enough. It's flour, water, a little salt, herbs if you want more flavor. Normally you'd add yeast, but not at Passover. No, at Passover we cannot wait for the bread to rise. Our deliverance from Pharaoh is at hand. So the story goes. Passover is always the same. We eat the bread, we drink the wine, there's lamb, bitter herbs. We remember our deliverance and our coming deliverance. Next year in Jerusalem, we always say, Messiah will come. It's always the same. But sometimes it, it seems so far away, so complicated. This year, things were, well. Two men followed our servant home from fetching water. They were wanting a place to celebrate Passover with their rabbi, and my husband and I, we had an extra room. So I baked the unleavened bread, and I delivered it when they arrived. The rabbi graciously introduced himself, and a horde of 12 men followed him into our upper room. I'd heard about this rabbi. Wild tales of healing blind men, raising the dead, and walking on water. So, naturally, I stood outside the, the door and I peeked around the corner, and that is when he turned it all upside down. You see, the person who sits at the head of the table isn't supposed to get up and wash other people's feet. But this rabbi, he was moving from man to man, washing each of their dirty feet. Well, I pulled back before I was seen, but still, I listened. I stayed and listened. His words were sure, kind, but, but like fire, like no rabbi I'd ever heard. 
If you see me, then you see the Father, he said. He also said that he would be broken for them. He talked of the new covenant and being children rather than orphans. And as the bread was passed, the unleavened bread of deliverance, he said, I am the living bread. Living bread. What could we have understood about that at the time? A new covenant was coming, and our deliverance was at our doorstep. Little did we know that our entire world was about to be turned upside down. Hallelujah. 
and bear of all dignity all rights of your very position with the Father that you would give your life for us because you knew it was the only way that we could truly be washed and cleansed as Peter said Lord not just my feet but all of me and Lord you did more than just wash our feet you cleansed our entire loves with your cleansing, redeeming blood. And we thank you for it. You have been so, so good to us. We bless you, Father. You know, but something else happens. We need to ask ourselves. How do we respond when God doesn't meet our expectations? He doesn't do what we think he should do. When he turns our world upside down instead of what we perceive to be right side up. What's our response? I know that none of us has ever tried to force God's hand to do things the way we think he should do them. Hoping that our plans would become his purpose. You see, Judas has been one of the most maligned and maybe misunderstood characters in the life of Christ. And I know this for a fact, none of us ever wants to see any part of our own reflection in him. Think about Judas. He had a front row seat to the life and ministry of Christ. And yet he still doesn't get it. He saw it all and he believed it all. He knew Jesus was the Messiah. The problem was he had his own design and desire for what Messiah should do. And Judas was determined to get his way. 
What are your plans? What are your purposes? Are your prayers prayers that try to get your plans to become God's purpose in this earth? Judas was determined that he would get his way even if he had to force God's hand. I know none of us would ever try to force God's hand to do what we think he should do. Because in all of our wisdom, we like Judas, just might think we have it all figured out. Yet it was the determination in Judas's heart to get his own way with God. To further his cause that opened the door for the devil in his life to lead him down a path to betrayal and self-destruction. John chapter 13, we read these verses. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. How does the devil get access to our hearts even when we're right next to the Lord following him? Because we refuse to allow our lives to be turned upside down. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke of. Think about that. Jesus, knowing everything that was going on, still willfully. The same way that he got up and made the choice. Nobody asked him, nobody made him. He got up and he took the initiative. To be the one to wash the feet of the disciples. Nobody was making him go to the cross. He was choosing to go there on his own. Knowing that he was about to be betrayed, he just kept it moving forward. Jesus answered and said this, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to Judas, what you do, do quickly. We have to guard our heart. The devil is a great deceiver. And he's looking for any opportunity he can to get in. God came to turn our world upside down. Because his way, his perspective, his purpose is the right way for everything. And it's so hard for us at times to, to just say yes to God, to yield, to bring ourselves under his authority, to accept his lordship over our lives, and to follow him trusting that he really is the way, the truth, and the life. You see, like us, Judas was given every opportunity to repent and change. Yet he passed them all up to get his own way with God. If we're not careful, we can all, like Judas, fall prey to our own preconceived ideas of what God should do and how he should do it. Do you have areas that you're believing God for in your life? Things that you want God to do and breakthroughs that you hope he will bring? Do you have your idea of how he should do it? God, if you just move this way, I know that's the exact right way to do that. Or are you just following him and trusting him to work all things together for your good? So we can try to force his hand to get our way. And if we do, we end up having to live with the outcome. Because God's purpose, I want you to hear this, God's purpose can never be pushed or forced to be conformed to fit our cause and our plans. Guard your heart. 
learn from a terrible example in the life of Judas. And the Bible says, give no place to the devil. Give the devil no access or entry. Trust God that he'll work all things out for you. Watch this next. Thought he was the one. We all thought he was the one. Everyone did. There was a party, and we were all we were all there. And, and some woman comes in, and she has a bottle of perfume, a, a expensive perfume, and she just pours it all over him. She did that because she thought he was the one. What a waste. We could have sold that perfume and used the money for a greater purpose. I tried to tell him as much, but he came back at me insinuating that he was the purpose. Even so, I believed he was the one. I believed that he was gonna turn everything upside down. I, 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 just, I just knew it. I mean, people would have followed him anywhere. All he had to do was just say the word, but he wouldn't say the word. Instead, he, my time has not yet come. That's what he would say over and over to me. My time has not yet come. Are you kidding me? He was raising people from the dead for crying out loud. He was healing the blind, producing food out of thin air. My time has not yet come. So I forced his hand. I made his time come. Things needed to push, and I was the only one that had the courage to do it. We were all up there eating. We were all up there. He looks across the table to me, and he says, get on with it. How, how did he know what I was going to do? It wasn't about the money, it was not about the money. It's just when you have that kind of power that he has, why wouldn't you leverage it to forward, to forward the agenda? People listen to him. You know the sound a wave makes after it hits the shore? And how quiet it gets after a few seconds when it stops. That was Jesus. When he spoke, it was like a, a rolling wave. And the crowds listening They were the hush at the end of the wave. Because when he spoke and you were there in his presence, there was no doubt in anyone's mind he was the one.
have I done? What have I done? The price of freedom. Let the whole sing, hear the praises rising. We stand in all of what you've done for us at the cross. The hope of the world lifted on high, calling us home. You are our everything. I see in erased, we are forgiven. You made a way, you are our answer. We owe this life for all you've done for us at the cross. The hope of Yes, Lord. 
Lord, you are our everything. Hallelujah. You know, that clip there of Judas is so powerful. That sometimes our own desires, our own plans, our own purposes. We can get so consumed with them that even when they're in the when we're in the presence of truth and life we can't see it because we just can't let go i pray that god's grace would so touch and transform you that you can let go and trust god and believe that his plan you know we quote it all the time jeremiah says i know the thoughts and the plans that i have thoughts of good and not of evil thoughts to bring you to a hope and an expected end so God has great plan trust his plan you don't have to make him do it your way you're going to like his way a lot better than if you got your way but today is about resurrection and I want you to think about it this way it's about the greatest reset the world has ever known because of one thing Jesus is alive you know December 13th 1978 42 years ago this year God gave me a reset I gave my life to Christ and he changed my life forever and I've been on this path of walking with him serving him for 42 years maybe today that's what you need you need that reset You need to give your life to Christ and trust Him and accept Him as your Lord and Savior. I can tell you it is the greatest choice I've ever made. The things that God has allowed me to do and the restoration that He has brought into my life and the joy and the fulfillment, I could never have even imagined. It was beyond anything I would have dreamed or any concept I would have had. The life and the purpose that you have in God is greater, my friend, than you would ever imagine. And today can be your reset day. Maybe you're a believer and you just need that reset of letting go of what you think would be a great life for you and God instead of receiving the life that he has for you. But I want you to think about this. We have all experienced events and have, that have impacted our personal life and that have possibly changed them forever. Some good and wonderful events that we celebrate and remember with joy. And then there are those maybe of loss and sorrow that we don't celebrate but remember with sadness and even heaviness of heart. You see, our world has experienced many such events whether they be of crisis or change, that affect our lives and change our lives as well. Where the severity of the event caused changes and resets to be made in order to try to protect us from such loss and pain from happening again. You know, we've been at war and other things. We build up our defenses and do other things as a precursor to protect us from something like that happening again. Things that are happening now with this virus, things that happened after 9-11, a lot of those things are being done with their changes to help protect us from the pain of something like this happening again. And that's where we are right now. We're in just such an event right now with this global pandemic. And yet here we are in the middle of this worldwide crisis, and what are we doing? 
we're celebrating and remembering the greatest change and reset the world has ever known. Right now in the middle of what we're having in the world is shut down in the middle of a shutdown like this. And right now there are 183 countries. This just is a little bit bigger than our personal lives. 183 countries, nations of the world are being impacted right now. But in every nation, in every country of the world, this message of Resurrection Sunday is being declared. You know what? I believe right now uh, that, that more people are hearing the gospel today. More people are tuning in and hearts have been opened to hear the gospel because of this shutdown that God is turning this around. Look, uh, the Bible says what the devil meant for good. Joseph said like this, what you meant for evil, God has turned around for good. And what it may look like, something being turned to use as evil against us, against the church, against everything else. God has an amazing way of turning it around for good. Praise the Lord. So think about it. See, it's true that events like 9-11 and others from our past, we're all, that we're already seeing that our world and the external way we live our lives is being reset by current events of this global crisis. We are, that we're in. Events and changes that are most likely outside the scope of our ability to do anything about them. We have survived and adjusted to them all, and this too shall pass. There's one major difference between the change and the resets we experience in life. And the resurrection of Easter. Those are all external and temporary. The resurrection of Jesus Christ did not only affect our natural life and temporary situations here. It is a reset of our life for all of eternity. You know, after the resurrection of the Lord, just before he passed away, he was telling his disciples what was going to happen. And Peter saying, Jesus said, tell them, you're all going to forsake me. You're all going to leave me. And Peter saying, not so, Lord. I'll never, I'll never deny you. And we know that Peter denied him three times. And we know that Jesus came after the resurrection and gave Peter a reset. In John chapter 21, it reads like this. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This is not just a day that we commemorate and remember. This is a day that we remember and celebrate the eternal reset that has been given to all who will accept and receive through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Which turns our life upside down for all of eternity. So let the power and the truth of this day reset your life. Watch this.
Right here. This is where Jesus was kneeling when they uh, came and grabbed him. And I, I, I came in from this direction with my sword drawn and I cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest. I reacted exactly the way Jesus told us not to. And Jesus, he picks up that man's ear. And he Puts it right on his head. Like it had always been there. But that's what he did. Jesus was always fixing people's messes. <laughs> you know, uh, I said I didn't know him that night. Three times. Three times. I denied my friend. He told me I was going to do it before I even did it. And like an idiot, I argued with him. <laughs> but he was right. He's always right. He told us he was gonna die before he died. But you know what he did? You know what he did when he came back to life? <laughs> that morning when he came back to life, gave me the opportunity to tell him I loved him. Three times. Three. He knew, he knew that was my greatest regret. But that's how he does it. When it settles here, it changes here. And that turns the past upside down. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happened that night because of what happened that morning because he beat death. Death. He is alive. Ease.
to know that he is alive and because he lives we are alive in him praise the lord what a reset 
for our lives to know that Jesus Christ has conquered death, hell, and the grave for us. And he gives us the reset through repentance to turn our lives around and say yes to him. And I pray that if you don't know the Lord today, in just a few moments, we're going to pray. I pray that your heart will be open to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you've become lukewarm and just casual in your relationship with God. Why not rekindle it? You know, while Lori was singing that song and Bill playing and just doing such an amazing job, I was just reading through my notes here and I'm thinking, how many times have people over the years who have been in long marriages and relationships, how many times have they gone back and just renewed their vows? They're not getting remarried again, but they're redeclaring their vow, their love, their commitment to one another. Maybe that's something you need to do. Look back and be thankful for the relationship with you have and just say, God, I'm just renewing my vow of love to you today. What an awesome thing that would be. So here we are, the reset of a consuming fire that turns our lives upside down. You see, Jesus came to take the things that can consume our lives and hold us in bondage to them. To take them upon himself, to carry them to the cross. Nail them there and defeat them and break their power over us forever. Every declaration of judgment that was against us was nailed to his cross. And he erased them all with his shed blood there on the cross for all of humanity. Listen to what Colossians chapter 2 says. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. What good news. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Giving, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Wow. You see, his love for us and for all people is a consuming fire. And through this and his death, he consumed it all, leaving nothing unforgiven. We all live our lives searching for purpose. Seeking to discover the reason we are here and, <coughs> excuse me, and the things that will give us the greatest fulfillment in life. Hoping and searching for that sense of satisfaction and accomplishment at the end of our lives. You see, Jesus did not come seeking his purpose. He came knowing it. He did not come seeking those things that would give him the greatest satisfaction he came to accomplish for us what we will never be able to accomplish on our own. He came to turn the world upside down and in the process our lives truly right side up. You see, our deliverance from sin, our freedom from the fear of death, the yoke of bondage being broken off of our lives, the burden of guilt being lifted from our shoulders and our hearts and our consciences being made clean before God. You know, I think about that. One of the most powerful things is being able to have a pure heart and a clean conscience before God. This was his purpose, and this is what he came to accomplish for us. You see, this day we remember and celebrate the life he lived for us, the death that he died for us, the grave he conquered for us, and the new life of freedom he has given to us. For in Christ, 
old things pass away and all things become new because Jesus has turned our world upside down. Watch this last.
that's what we are we're redeemed in the Lord that's what this message this day everything is all about the redemption that we have in Christ right now today that can be your story 
I love singing that song because it's just a personal testimony. And it's a testimony that every person can have because of what we're remembering today. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wipes away every stain, every trace of our past. Old things pass away. And just like that clip shed, God is a consuming fire. He burns up. He leaves no trace. We read in Colossians that he takes the handwriting against us. You can't find the record of your past. It's covered. God seals your record in his blood. I want everyone right where you are, just unashamedly, just to bow your heads with me right now. And let's pray. And as I pray, maybe you've never prayed this prayer before, but would you pray it with me? Heavenly Father, today I come in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. I ask you today to forgive me of all my sins. Lord, your word says, if I confess my sin, you are faithful and just to forgive me. So today I ask for your forgiveness. I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me, cleansing me with the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. I am redeemed in Jesus' name. Friend, if you prayed that prayer today, the Bible says that God accepts you. You're forgiven. You're restored. You're in right relationship with Him. If you prayed that prayer and you mean that, we'd love to send you a gift. And if you can email us at, just go to, you can just send us an email at info at solidrockfacecenter.com. If you email us and tell us you made a decision for the Lord today, either giving your life to Him, rededicating your life to Him, renewing your vow, relationship, we'd love to mail these out to you and bless you, be praying with you. God's love is so faithful. I'm going to ask you just to let Bill and Lori lead us in just that King of Kings song one more time, and then we'll close. God bless you. We love you so much.
stones move for good for the land that conquered dead and the dead rose from their tombs and the angels stood in all for the songs of all who Truth of old shall not deal, shall not fail. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. Father, I thank you today for your resurrected life. Lord, I pray for every person. Lord, in this season, I pray your peace over them. Father, we pray for our nation and for every nation in the world right now. Lord, you said that God so loved the world that he sent you. God, you displayed your love to the world through your son. Father, we pray that lives and hearts would be open to hear the truth, to be reconciled back to you into a relationship that you desire to have with each and every person, no matter where they live, no matter their nation, no matter their geographical place, no matter where they are. God, you so love the world. Touch our world with your saving grace. Let resurrection life flow through our world. Father, let your peace be upon your people. Let your blessing be upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you made that decision for the Lord, send us that email to info at solidrockfaithcenter.com. We love you. Pray God's blessing over you. Rejoice in the resurrection life that is yours in Jesus Christ. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Hey, just a quick update. Tuesday night, Sean, my son Sean and I are going to do a uh, broadcast for their church at the Oaks on their YouTube channel. And then Wednesday night, he's going to be with here with me. So Tuesday and Wednesday night, we're going to be doing a couple programs together, live programs to be with you. We love you. God bless you in Jesus' name. Happy Resurrection.